Hi Chris from the Lost Boys here. I'm uh, in St Kentigern's Cemetery up in Lamb Hill in the north of Glasgow for another Celtic Grave Society event, this time marking the grave of Tom Mealy. That's the brother of Billy, of course. Uh, he played for Celtic for three years, from 1888, our very beginning, until 1891. May or may not have scored a hat-trick in that very first game against Rangers, the 5-2 game. So, uh, records weren't exactly great back then, and uh, we don't know, so we'll just assume he did. <laughs> Um, after he retired in 1891, he went on to management just like his brother did. And uh, there was a, a nice little event in 1904 where uh, Wally Mealy's Celtic won the Scottish Cup and Tom Mealy's Manchester City won the FA Cup. So, north of the border, they had both of the, the Cup trophies in the Mealy household. So, good success for both. Um, Tom died in 1935, August 24th, uh, and he's been buried here in his unmarked grave up until about now. So, we'll see how this goes today, and I'm sure it'll be as good as usual. I'd like to thank everyone for coming along today to uh, mark the final resting place of Tom Mealy. Uh, I'd first like to start by introducing some of the guests we have on today. Uh, firstly, uh, to my left, uh, well-known Celtic supporter, uh, son of the great Gren Daly, whose song, Celtic song, is having its 50th anniversary this year, and great friend to the Great Society, uh, Terry Dick. <laughs> We're also delighted to uh, introduce uh, Brian Wilson, uh, Celtic director, uh, historian of Celtic himself, writer and broadcaster. Delighted to say that uh, a couple of members of the Mealy family are here to uh, speak on behalf of the family. We have the great grandson Joe and great grandson Nick. I think I got that right. So they will be saying something. And also, uh, we're uh, very happy to have along uh, Reverend, uh, sorry, uh, Father, <laughs> Father John Sweeney, <laughs> to say some words and uh, help us with the blessing of uh, the grave. We stand here in St Gentigern's uh, having this ceremony, uh, but as many as you'll recognise that most of our talks or our, our days have been in Delbeth. Delbeth is a famous place for having ex-players and founding fathers of Celtic. Even here in St Gentigern's we have some people who are vital to the past of Celtic. Uh, over to the left five minutes we have Arthur Murphy. Arthur Murphy was committee member from 1890 to 1897. He was a politician and he was an activist for the struggle of the Irish in Glasgow. We also have Stephen Henry, another Celtic committee member, who was in the Catholic Union of Glasgow and was in the, the Vice Chairman of the Christian Society, the St Mary's in Calton. Only behind us, by about five, ten metres away, is the grave of James McLaughlin, another player who played in that first Celtic eleven, uh, who also was the recipient of a Celtic Graves event earlier this year. And here we have the grave of Tom Mealy, who's buried here along with his wife and his two sons, or two of his sons. There's a famous story that's told about Tom about the formation of Celtic and it is when John Glass, Pat Welsh and uh, Brother Walford went to the home of the Mealies looking for Tom Mealy to sign for Celtic for that first game and as legend goes Tom was out uh, courting his future wife let's say and in the house was Willie, his brother. They convinced Willie to play and as they say 
history is written that Willie went on to be the successful manager in leading role in Celtic. An update to that story is about less than two years ago, it was brought to the attention of certain people that the grave of Willie Maley was in disrepair in Cathcart Ceremony, eh, Cemetery. And through the work of some individuals, the grave was then put back to its rightful condition. And through that work, the Grey Society was formed. 18 months later, we find ourselves at the grave of Tom Maley. So I think it's fair to say in this regard, the pursuit of Willie has led us to Tom. The Grey Society was formed in order for the one main aim to, to cherish the memories and the, the, the resting places of the players and founding fathers of Celtic. And this is why we are here today with Tom Maley. Tom Maley was a great footballer. He'd played for teams like Hibernian and Third Atlantic Volunteers before he played for Celtic. He was a great athlete. He won many awards as a sprinter. He played in that very first Celtic team. You can start a very good battle with the historians if you ask him if he scored the very first hatchet for Celtic. There was one match report saying he scored two goals and later Maley scored the third. We think that Willie Maley might have mentioned this in his book, so we'll give the honour of the first hatchet to Tom. After his career as a player, he joined the committee. Tom Maley led the fight for Celtic as a committee member to remember their roots, where they came from, in the community and their role as a charitable being. After his time as a committee member, he became a manager. His most successful career spell was at Man City, where in 1904 he led Man City to win the first FA Cup less than 10 years after the formation, and he did it the same year that Willie did it with Celtic in 1904. After his time as a manager, he retired and became a teacher, uh, working in Glasgow. At one point he was the, the headmaster for St Mary's. But the most vital thing about Tom, and you find it from you do the research, is the character of the man. Tom was a great family man and he was a great community man. He was strong in his faith and through his belief system and his community he often did the right thing and this is documented in the work he did for the Catholic Observer and by ultimately the time of his death where he went to Lourdes on behalf of his church. So again we're delighted to be here at the grave of Tom Maley marking his final resting place. So without further ado I'd like to introduce you to Terry Dick Reverend Father, ladies and gentlemen, fellow Celtic supporters and representatives of Celtic Football Club. One of my favourite Celtic images is a photograph taken of the St Mary's Celtic Break Club in the Carlton. As the Caltonians would say, that holy strip of ground between London Road and the Gallagate. It was taken round about 1896 and it shows us some very soberly suited Victorian gentlemen. And indeed they were very sober because they were members of the Temperance Society, known locally as the League of the Cross. And in the middle of the group is the parish priest, Canon Carmichael, one of the very first benefactors of the club, keeping everyone in order, including two mischievous-looking bugle boys who were sitting at the front of the group. <coughs> but the really interesting part of the picture is above the heads of these early Victorian Celtic supporters. There's an absolutely magnificent banner. It's emerald green, with hints of yellow and gold. Imprinted on it are uncrowned harps to suggest the Irish connection and in the middle is impressed a magnificent portrait of a very handsome, very sophisticated and beautifully dressed man. A man of great presence. And that man, of course, was Tom Maley. Now, there were many reasons why these early Celtic supporters should honour the man in this way. They had very good reason for doing it. First of all, he had an impeccable Celtic pedigree. 
he was one of the founders of the club. He had played in the first match and he had scored the hat-trick, which is ensured to endear you to anyone who wears the green and white. In addition to that, he was also known as an enthusiastic supporter. He'd been seen in 1890 when acting as umpire to wave his umpire's flag joyfully as Celtic eliminated their great rivals Rangers from the Scottish Cup through a wonder goal, while 10,000 East Enders cheered them. He also had a political affinity with these, uh, these people because he was often on Irish nationalist platforms throughout the west of Scotland. And I think that they felt he was a representative voice for what was termed then the overwhelmingly working class element of the support, the labourers, the men in the mines, the men and women in the factories. He appreciated and valued the support. He wrote of them, the Celtic never lacked generously abundant support and he praised the enormous patronage bestowed in the team. I think a key factor in his popularity was his closeness to the revered brother Walfred. He not only respected and admired Walfred, but he had a deep, enduring affection for the Marist brother. And most importantly, he embraced Walfred's dream. A dream of a first-class football team which could give focus and pride to a community and an institution which should, could show compassion and kindness and caring in a harsh, unfeeling, often nasty Victorian society. He made his appreciation of Brother Walford clear in his writing. He talked about his wonderful organising power, his lovable nature, and then the final accolade. Through organising genius and the wonderful persuasive powers of Brother Walford, the Celtic Club was established. The wind plays havoc with your notes, folks. <laughs> Camus said, A man without ideals is a man without greatness. Tom Maley was a great man and an idealist. And when you combine this with his courage and his integrity, it made him a very potent force for good. In 1895, in the midst of a very hostile half-yearly meeting, he criticised the consistent failure of the Celtic Committee, in spite of record income, to make any donations to either the poor children's dinner table, the clothing fund, or the local conferences of the St Vincent de Paul Society. He also opposed, opposed the move from the committee to the limited liability company, but he reiterated at the end of his speech that he would remain loyal and back any move which confirmed the charitable ethos of the club. His remarks were dismissed as claptrap and playing to the gallery by men who had a less altruistic and noble pathway in mind. He had great intellect and education, but he put this to the service of the community. As headmaster of Slatefield School, working for the education and welfare of children who had been found begging, destitute, in rags, starving, suffering from us today like hypothermia and with no parents. He showed great, great concern for them. One of the things that also endeared them was the wee bit of Irish-Scottish devilment and daring that he had. This was seen most dramatically 
when he intervened in Everton's attempt to try and hijack a Celtic player, Peter Dowds. He chased the Everton cab through the Renfrewshire lanes, drove it into the bushes, got Dowds out of the carriage, and Dowds was back at Paradise, and the Evertonians were making their sad way back to Merseyside. As his, his contemporaries had great admiration for him, they saw him first of all as a genuine and generous man, an independent spirit, and a man of absolute integrity. But one of the things that I noticed about him too, and I don't know if it comes over in the histories, is I think he was quite a gallus case, who was very good at the wind-up. There's an 1891 team picture, and uh, he's finished playing by this time, but he's beautifully dressed, he's got a three-piece suit, lovely vest, and Jimmy Tarbuck-like, he's standing with his thumb in the vest, and he's got a gold medallion hanging, and he curries in beside his brother Willie, pushing James Kelly out the roads. James Kelly's trying to look over his shoulder and I think, hmm, I wonder if he maybe tried that. A wonderful man and a man of his time. But it was really a long, long time ago. Sherlock Holmes had just solved his first case. They were just waiting to arrest Oscar Wilde. Dracula had just started making people in Glasgow fear to up dark closes. And Deloy was a man of that era. I think he was a very modern thinker very forward-thinking, somebody who take his, take his place in the city and the Celtic support of today. What would he perhaps be doing? Where would his abilities and his interests lie? Well, with his background in education, I'm sure he would be very interested in the work of the Celtic Foundation. I'm sure he would be interested in their learning programmes and their learning centre. Community initiatives will be of paramount importance to him. Fighting the evils of unemployment, hopelessness, addiction, racism and sectarianism. And remember, these were issues and problems that he had faced up to too. He had undoubted concern for disadvantaged and underprivileged young people. And I think today he would be a strong supporter of the club's partnership with Down Syndrome Scotland and their Ability Counts programme. And as a man of poetry and song, wouldn't he be a number one fan and champion of those endearing Thai Tims? And uh, I, I think he'd be joining in with them very enthusiastically. And I'm sure he would also back the work of the Good Child Foundation in Thailand. As a hard-hitting, honest, Celtic-minded journalist, I'm sure if he called in to see Paul Cuddicke, he would give him a wee column or two, and then he could prepare himself for the shoal of correspondence that would arrive. Well, Channel 67, I would say certainly uses gifts of eloquence as a public speaker and raconteur rich in story and illustration. And I'm afraid, Brian, you wouldn't go off lightly. The AGMs would be enough asking awkward, incisive questions about where is all the money gone? But it would just be there to keep the director on their toes. And what about the broader football world? And if there are any Manchester City representatives here, may I say this to them? Doesn't Maley and Mancini have a wee ring to it? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I hope I've not gone on too long and you'll all thaw out quite quickly afterwards. But I think we've got to remember that this was a great, great man. And one line comes to mind as I reflected on his life. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I think our presence today here confirms that. Those unkind committee members 
who derided Tom Maley's plea for poor children as claptrap and called him a dinner table sorehead and a soup kitchen crank, they're long forgotten. But 116 years on, we're at his graveside to ensure that his memory and his ideals remain evergreen. Why are we here today? We're here to acknowledge his undoubted Celtic celebrity and the iconic Celtic name that he bears. We're here to honour him as a founder of the club and one of the first grand old team. We're here to give thanks for his idealism when opposed by others with selfish, less honourable motivation. As we stand here today at his last resting place, at this time in the Celtic narrative, we share with Tom Maley, with Brother Walfred, with Brother Dorotheus, Dr John Conway, and countless of millions of others perhaps, through the generations, the fervent and cherished hope that our team will always have a unique ethos which elevates it above the rest and confirms Tom Maley's own belief that the Celtic are the greatest, most noble and best of all athletic and football institutions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much and thank you for asking me along today. I'm conscious of a three o'clock kickoff, so I'll keep it fairly short. Uh, the, um, I just want to make two points of what Terry has said and, and uh, what we all, we've already heard covers all what really is to be said about, uh, about, about Tom Maley. So maybe just make two more general points. Uh, the first is just to congratulate the, the Celtic Graves Association on, uh, on, on, on this very, very special work that they, that they do. I don't think there's any sporting organisation um, in the world, maybe, which is so conscious of its history and why we exist, and, uh, and and the fact that it is more than just a football club. And as soon as you forget uh, that, then every, as soon as you stop refreshing the memory of that, um, then things drift into myth and legend uh, rather than the much more interesting uh, reality. And that's the second point that the, the people who founded Celtic. Um, that obviously Celtic was a big part of what they did, but without exception, they were big people. They were much, much more interesting, and it's a case where the the, the, the truth, the, the reality uh, of the club's origins, are actually much more, uh, much more interesting and much more relevant than simply if it's if it's boiled down to a very simple story about one or two individuals, and, and it's simply a football story. It was a football story. It was a social story. It was a political story. And all of the, the, the forces uh, that were, were around in the 1880s are still around today. Uh, poverty, social injustice, uh, the, the, the political issues that were, were, were alive at, at that time, all of them are still relevant today. And the, through everything that Celtic have done, the thread has always been kept alive uh, of, the, of the concern and the commitment uh, to the issues that were, that, that were to the fore and which were in the minds of these people when uh, when, when Celtic were, were founded. The, the origins of Celtic, Celtic, very, very importantly, were always uh, an inclusivist club. They were, they, were, they were the two strands to Celtic that they were, uh, they, they were very, very proud 
uh, of, of their Irish um, commitment, um, very committed to what was going on in, in Ireland uh, at, at that time, but they were also a club uh, in the, the new homeland of these people, which was Scotland. And that again uh, is, is important, and it's something that's just constantly important to assert that the, the Irish connection, Celtic would not exist without the Irish connection, uh, and that is something which people are entitled to remember and uh, to, to celebrate in, in their own way uh, at, at, at any time and in, and in any place. Um, so, the two points just one, fantastic work being done on commemorating the people, keeping the memory alive of. Uh, the big people who are re responsible for the foundation of Celtic and the development of Celtic into what it became, and secondly, uh, that these were uh, that the, 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 the forces which brought Celtic into being uh, are still something that we should remember, be conscious of, be very proud of today, uh, so that when we when we are Celtic supporters, we are not simply supporting a team in the park, we are supporting the whole ethos that Celtic stands for and must always stand for. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming along on this windy, cold day. I just got a few words to say. Some of these things have already been said before by people before me, but I just want to say a few things. So, letters in the family possession from Thomas Edward Maley to his daughter, Elizabeth Rose, my grandmother, show him to be a very loving and caring man. But what is clear is that Tom's love and care extended far beyond his family. He cared deeply about many of the social issues of his time. For example, one of these evidently was the welfare of children, especially poor children. Tom was involved in the early days of Celtic, which as we know was established as a charity to help poor children. Tom was also a teacher and later the superintendent of an industrial school, which is a school for neglected, abandoned, and uh, sorry, uh, orphan children. These are a few examples showing Tom's commitment to social issues. At a time when many football clubs would appear and then quickly disappear, we, Tom's descendants, think that Tom's role may have been a very important <coughs> one for Celtic Football Club. That is, helping it to survive and succeed in its very critical early days. Tom, it seems, was held in very high regard by all who knew him. I'd, la I'd now like to give you an example. I'd like to show you an example of this. In 1898, on the occasion of Tom's birthday, some of the pupils in his industrial school wrote him a very touching letter conveying their birthday wishes to him. I'd like to share just one small part of that letter with you now. The pupil said, and I quote, we can only wonder what would have been our fate, the fate of many of us, if we had not come under your care. Likewise, some of us gathered here today may wonder what would have been the fate of Celtic Football Club without Thomas E. Maley.
a lot of my animals have been stolen by these people, so <laughs> I just wanted to cut straight to the, the chase. I, one of my favourite stories was the one where they, they, they sent the Everton ones packing, and I just one wee bit I'll add to it, when Tom uh, dragged uh, the, the gentleman from his cab, he said to the Everton, uh, we gave Dick and his pal the order to get, and I, that, for me that actually is a retelling and Yes, he was a lovely man, but he was a man as well. <laughs> um, I know I, I, it's probably a good point to thank the Celtic Grave Society because we're standing here yeah. taking all the And I know that there are some friends of the Celtic Grave Society, the, the Celtic Underground website, and I was actually listening to one of the, the, the previous remembrance. I was at, so it was an interview actually with the. Uh, uh, Bill McLaughlin, the grandson of James McLaughlin, also in the first team. Uh, and he was asked the question who his grandfather rated in the first team and he said that in his opinion they were all a grand bunch, but he recalls his grandfather saying he thought Tom Bailey was an absolute, absolutely superb player. So he was definitely a great footballer. These two pieces of silverware that you can see on the ground, they're one of my most cherished possessions. And I'll tell you the, the stories that, that go with each one of them. And again, this says a wee bit about the man. Uh, starting with the, the, the teapot there. Uh, this teapot was displayed in the local newspaper, sorry, news agent, I should say, in the borough of Cathcart, and was admired by Elizabeth, the then fiance of Tom Bailey. He said he would win it for her and entered the local races, which he did and won it, running the race barefoot, which was the custom at the time, and presented the teapot to his then fiance. The Rose Bowl was actually, has a slight connection with football, when Tom was the manager of Bradford Park Avenue Football Club, when he left, the patrons uh, presented him with us on his departure, and the inscription on it says, to T.E. Mealy Esquire, from a few Park Avenue admirers in appreciation of the many courtesies and as a mark of their esteem, 13th of March 1924. And again, I think it says something about the lasting impression that Tom made on everyone that he met. On a more personal note, um, I was talking to my Aunt Angela standing over there just last night, I think it was, talking about what we're doing today. And uh, she actually recalled, she didn't want to speak today, but she recalled a story to me, which again I think is very telling. Her mother, Elizabeth Rose, Tom's do daughter, uh, he described her, she described her as being a real daddy's girl. And uh, recalls her weeping sometimes when she was talking about her father, Tom. But uh, I think it's very telling about the sort of father he was. In those days, the idea of the stern father, uh, he had a different sort of relationship. I think that's very telling and indeed she went on to say that she was so upset by Tom's passing that she was unable to attend his funeral. Um, when I grew up I was aware of my family's connections with Celtic Football Club but in all honesty like most wee boys I didn't really realise the significance of it. Uh, my heroes were Kenny Dalgleish and uh, Dana St. Charlie Nicholas which says a wee bit about the time when I grew up. but. Even as a youngster, I did notice the strange effect it had on adults when I told them of my illustrious grandfather Tom Mailey and his brother Willie. Indeed, I was glad to hear from my daughter Mia, standing over there, who's currently in a second year at St Tom's Aquinas, that it still has the same effect 
on people today, just last week, much to her amusement, when she mentioned her connection to Tom Maley in her RE class, her teacher immediately went through and fetched the colleague through to have a look at this descendant. <laughs> in fact, I also have to commend my long-suffering wife, Joanne, over there, who has no interest or knowledge of Celtic being English. Uh, but she allowed me to indulge myself by getting married at Celtic Park, and she also allowed me to indulge myself by naming my first song, song son, Tom, who you'll probably work out who he's named after, and that's Tom over there. Um, it was not Kenny or Henrik that I decided to name it, it was Tom. And because now age has brought the wisdom of the true significance of my connection to Tom Maley, so why is Tom Milley so important to me? And why would I name my son after him? Well, I suppose it because it harks back to that more innocent time. A time before world wars, before jet planes and the rumble of traffic. But probably the loudest noise you would hear would be the sound of the football crowd on a Saturday afternoon. I guess it's also the same reason why that lots of us are standing here and support Celtic. In an era, era when our culture is diminished, by materialism, it's a connection to the past when the concepts of community and shared beliefs were important and give us all, and then perhaps even more so now, a sense of our identity, values and who we all are. And for that, and for helping to create a great club, I thank you Tom Edward Mealy. John Sweeney, I can't write this time. <laughs> uh, really before the blessings, I came through the gate there this morning. It occurred to me when I arrived at this spot that for all 36 years of my life, I have been coming through that gate every Sunday past this very spot to visit my grandfather, Paddy Maguire, and my grandmother, Margaret Maguire, never knowing who rested in this spot. And it's a reminder to all of us that when we go to visit and mark the resting place of our family that we never think of the people that lie around them and the contribution they made to our lives and the pain their deaths brought to other people's life. When we come here today to mark this stone, we don't just mark Tom's resting place, but we mark what he done for our family that is Celtic. And more importantly for me and I'm sure for others here, Tom Maley from today onwards isn't just a name or a face in the great history of our club, but he's a person. He's a person whose family are gathered here today in the Maley family. He's a person who's changed our lives, unaware of it, and will continue to change the lives of people in the future. And as many have said, it's a reminder to us why we are proud to be members of the Celtic family, why we're proud to be known throughout the world for what we're doing and everything as we seek to win league championships, especially this year and the future years, it's a reminder that that's not really why we were founded. If that's all we're doing and we forget that even in this city today, people are poor, children are hungry and this Christmas there'll be children in this city who go without a gift in Tom's very district of Cathcart where I'm the assistant priest. There are children there who, without the St Vincent de Paul, without people at Celtic, 
wouldn't know what Christmas is, and today should remind us of that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My dear friends, we gather here to mark this Tom's final resting place. We come to pray for him and for all their faithful departed. They have passed from death in this life to company with the saints in heaven. We pray that God has welcomed Tom into those mansions in heaven and rewarded his goodness. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us pray. O God, by whose mercy the faithful departed find rest, bless this gravestone with which we mark the resting place of Tom. May he have everlasting life and rejoice in you with your saints forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. May his soul and the souls of all faith to the mercy of God, rest in peace. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the Holy and Eternal Trinity grant to those of us who are living grace and peace, and to all the faithful departed, rest and eternal life. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, I'd like to thank everyone for coming along today, the family, uh, the guest speakers. I'd actually like to take this opportunity to thank Dorothy, who's helped us so much with this, and without her, this probably wouldn't have happened, so greatly appreciated for this. Uh, the work of the Grave Society uh, goes on. Uh, we plan to have some more events later this year. Uh, if you could do us a favour, we have some booklets about Tom Maley for sale. I think they're £2. Bargain. Uh, this is the kind of money we can raise to maybe to help us pay for uh, any events in the future. So uh, again, thank you. Horrible day, weather-wise, but it's been a, a great day. Thank you. Another good ceremony and the weather more or less held off, the rain just starting at the end there but it was well attended as usual and one of the things I really enjoy about these things is learning about people that you don't know too much about 
I mean, we've all heard the name Wally Maley. We all know it from his 50 years of management. We all sing the song at Celtic Park. And yet, there's his brother who played in the first team. And so few people know the name of Thomas Edward Maley. So I, I like to think that these things have uh, opened the eyes of Celtic fans and they, they learn a little more about our history, which is another song, isn't it? So, take my head off to the game and hopefully we'll be along to one of these again soon. Yeah, well. Through the wind and through the rain and throughout history We won't forget our bro 